0: Section 70 of the United States. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The World Story, Volume 12, The United States, edited by Eva March Tappan. Section 70, An Eighteenth-Century Voyage Down the Hudson River, by James K. Paulding. Catalina, accompanied by her father, embarked on board of the good ship Waterfleet, whereof was commander Captain Baltus van Slingerland, a most experienced, deliberate, and circumspect skipper. This vessel was noted for making quick passages, wherein she excelled the much vaulted Liverpool packets, seldom being more than three weeks in going from Albany to New York, unless when she chanced to run on the flats, for which, like her owners, she seemed to have an instinctive preference captain baltus was a navigator of great sagacity and courage having been the first man that ever undertook the dangerous voyage between the two cities without asking the prayers of the church and making his will moreover he was so cautious in all his proceedings that he took nothing for granted and would never be convinced that his vessel was near a shoal or sandbank until she was high and dry aground when properly certified by ocular demonstration He became perfectly satisfied, and set himself to smoking till it pleased the waters to rise and float him off again. His patience under an accident of this kind was exemplary. His pipe was his consolation, more effectual than all the precepts of philosophy. It was a fine autumnal morning, calm, still, clear, and beautiful. The forests, as they nodded or slept quietly on the borders of the pure river, reflected upon its bosom a varied carpet, adorned with every shade of every color. The bright yellow poplar, the still brighter scarlet maple, the dark brown oak, and the yet more somber evergreen pine and hemlock, together with a thousand varied trees and shrubs of a thousand varied tints, all mingled in one rich, inexpressibly rich garment, with which nature seemed desirous of hiding her faded beauties and approaching decay. The vessel glided slowly with the current, now and then assisted by a little breeze that for a moment rippled the surface and filled the sails, and then died away again. In this manner they approached the Overslaw, a place infamous in all past time for its narrow, crooked channel, and the sandbanks with which it is infested. The vigilant Van Slingerland, in view of possible contingencies, replenished his pipe, and inserted it in the buttonholes of his Dutch pea-jacket to be ready in an emergency. "'Boss,' said the ebony Palinurus, who presided over the destinies of the good sloop Watervleet, "'Boss,' don't you think I better put about? I think we're close to the overslaw now. Captain Baltus very leisurely walked to the bow of the vessel, and after looking about a little, replied, A little further, a little further, Broom. No occasion to pee in such a hurry before you are sort of a thing. Broom kept his course, grumbling a little in an undertone, until the sloop came to a sudden stop. The captain then bestirred himself to let go the anchor, no fear boss she won't run away very well quoth captain baltus i'm satisfied now perfectly satisfied we are certainly on to overslaw as clear as mud answered brome the captain then proceeded to light his pipe and brome followed his example every quarter of an hour a sloop would slide past in perfect safety warned of the precise situation of the bar by the position of the water-flight and adding to the vexation of our travellers at being thus left behind, but Captain Baltus smoked away now and then, ejaculating, "Ay, ay, the more hedged, the less speed." We shall see pie and pie. As the tide ebbed, the vessel, which had grounded on the extremity of the sand bank, gradually heeled on one side until it was difficult to keep the deck. And Colonel Vancour suggested the propriety of going on shore until she righted again. "'Why, where's the ooze, then?' replied Captain Baltus. of have taken all this trouble, boss. "'We shall be off in two or three days at most. "'It will be full moon day after tomorrow.' Two or three days!' exclaimed the colonel. "'If I thought so, I would go home and wait for you.' "'Why, where's the ooze, then, of taking so much trouble, colonel? "'You'd only have to go and pack again.' "'But why don't you lighten your vessel, or carry out an anchor?' "'She seems just on the edge of the bank, "'almost ready to slide into the deep water. "'Why, where's the ouse of taking so much trouble, then? "'She'll get herself off one of these days, Colonel. "'You are well off here, nothing to do, "'and the young woman there can knit you a pair of stockings "'to pass the dime.' "'But she can't knit stockings,' said the Colonel, smiling. "'Not knit stockings? "'By main soul, then what is she good for?' "'Then she must smoke a beat." THAT IS THE NEXT best WAY OF BESSING THE TIME, BUT SHE DOESN'T SMOKE EITHER, CAPTAIN. NOT SMOKE, NOR KNIT stockings. CHRISTUS, WHERE WAS SHE brought UP THEN? I WOULDN'T HAVE HER FOR MY WIFE, IF SHE HAD A WHOLE STOOP FOR HER FORTUNE. I DON'T KNOW WHAT SHE CAN DO TO bast THE TIME TILL NEXT full MOON, BUT GO TO SLEEP. That is THE NEXT PEST THING, THE KNITTING AND smoking. Catalina was highly amused at Captain Baltus's enumeration of the sum total of her resources for passing the time. Fortunately, however, the next rising of the tide floated them off, and the vessel proceeded gallantly on her way with a fine northwest breeze, which carried her on with almost the speed of a steamboat. In the course of a few miles, they overtook and passed several sloops that had left the water fleet aground on the overslaw. "'You see, Colonel?' said Captain Baltus complacently. "'You see?' what's the use being in a hurry then they have been at anchor and we have been on the sandbank. what's the difference then colonel but it is easier to get up an anchor captain than to get off a sandbank. well suppose it is if a man is not in a hurry what then replied captain baltus at the period of which we are writing a large portion of the banks of the river now gemmed with white villages and delightful retreats was still in a state of nature the little settlements were few and far between, and some scattered Indians yet lingered in those abodes which were soon to pass away from them and their posterity forever. The river alone was in the entire occupation of the white man. The shores were still, in many places, inhabited by remnants of the Indian tribes, but they were not the savages of the free wild woods. They had in some degree lost their habits of war and hunting, and seldom committed hostilities upon the whites from an instinctive perception that they were now at their mercy. Still, though the banks of the river were, for the most part, wild, they were not the less grand and beautiful, and Catalina, as she sat on the deck in the evening, when the landscape, bronzed with twilight, presented one unvaried appearance of lonely pomp and majestic repose, could not resist its holy influence. On the evening of the sixth day, the vessel was becalmed in the heart of the highlands, just opposite where West Point now rears its grey stone seminaries, consecrated to science, to patriotism, and glory. IT WAS THEN A SOLITARY ROCK WHERE THE EAGLE MADE HIS ABODE, AND FROM WHICH A LONELY INDIAN SOMETIMES LOOKED DOWN ON THE VESSELS GLIDING PAST FAR BELOW, AND CURSED THEM AS USURPERS OF HIS ANCIENT DOMAIN. THE TIDE RAN NEITHER UP NOR DOWN THE RIVER, AND THERE WAS NOT A BREATH OF AIR STIRRING. THE DUSKY PILOT PROPOSED TO CAPTAIN Baltas TO LET GO THE ANCHOR, BUT THE CAPTAIN SAW NO USE IN BEING IN SUCH A HURRY. SO THE VESSEL LAY STILL AS A SLEEPING HELSON UPON AN UNMOVING MIRROR OF THE WATERS. Altus drew forth his trusty pipe and the negro pilot selected a soft plank on the forecastle on which he in a few minutes found that blessed repose which is the prize of labor and which a thousand times outweighs the suicide luxuries of the lazy glutton whose sleep is the struggle not the relaxation of nature the captain now strove to entertain his passengers by a ghost story but was interrupted by the attempts of an owl to steal the chickens from a coop on the deck and got no further than once there was an old woman a hollow murmur among the mountains suddenly interrupted him there is the old woman again said the colonel she is the old tuval said baltus starting up and calling all hands to let go the halyards but before this could be accomplished one of those sudden squalls so common in the highlands in autumn struck the vessel and threw her almost on her beam ends the violence of the motion carried colonel Vancour and catalina with it and had they not been arrested by the railings of the quarter-deck they must inevitably have gone overboard The Waterville it was, however, an honest Dutch vessel, of a most convenient breadth of beam, and it was no easy matter to capsize her entirely. For a minute or two she lay quivering and struggling with the fury of the squall that roared among the mountains and whistled through the shrouds, until, acquiring a little headway, she slowly luffed up in the wind, righted, and flapped her sails in defiance. The next minute all was calm again. The cloud passed over, the moon shone bright, and the waters slept as if they had never been disturbed whereupon captain Baltus, like a prudent skipper as he was ordered all sail to be lowered and the anchor to be let go sagely observing that it was high time to look out for squalls such an accident at sea would have been rather serious observed the colonel i don't know what you think colonel said Baltus. but in my opinion it don't make much odd whether a man has it into sea or in a river the colonel could not well gainsay this and soon after retired with his daughter to the cabin and early the next morning, Captain Baltus, having looked round in every direction, east, west, north, and south, to see if there were any squalls brewing, and perceiving not a cloud in the sky, cautiously ordered half the jib and mainsail to be hoisted, to catch the little land breeze that just rippled the surface of the river. In a few hours they emerged from the pass at the foot of the great Dunderburg, and slowly opened upon that beautiful amphitheater into which nature has thrown all her treasures and all her beauties nothing material occurred during the rest of the passage true it is that skipper baltus ran the good sloop waterglied two or three times upon the oyster-banks of the since-renowned tappan bay but this was so common a circumstance that it scarcely deserved commemoration nor would i have recorded it here but for the apprehension that its omission might at some future period peradventure seduce some industrious scribe to write an entirely new history of these adventures solely to rescue such an important matter from oblivion Suffice it to say that at the expiration of ten days from the commencement of the voyage, the good sloop Waterfleet arrived safe at Coventy's Slip, where all the Albany sloops congregated at the time. This extraordinary passage was much talked of in both cities, and finally found its way into the weekly newsletter, then the only paper published in the whole new world, as may be seen by a copy now, or lately, in the possession of the worthy Mr. Dunstan of the Narrows. It is further recorded, that some of the vessels which passed the water as she lay aground on the overslaw, did not arrive till nearly a fortnight after her, owing, as Captain Baltus observed, to depeeing in such a hurry. After so famous an exploit, the water had always a full freight, and as many passengers as she could accommodate, so that, in good time, this adventurous navigator gave up following the water, and built himself a fine brick house, with the gable end to the street, and the edges of the roof projecting like the teeth of a saw, Where he sat on his stoop and smoked his pipe, time out of mind. End of section seventy. Recording by Todd.